Welcome to Learned Lag, a podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm Amanda. And I'm George. Amanda and I are both in Zephyr B. This is season 24 for me and season 20 for Amanda. And this is day 15 of season 92. Our first question asks for the first name of a prolific African-American designer and fiber artist whose name was taken from a third century queen of Palmyra. So it, the, the name she took starts with an X, we are told. And the namesake's name generally starts with a Z. Mm-hmm. Though, of course, 3rd century Palmyra, I don't know what alphabet they were using, whether that's whether there's a difference between those two in that old uh, version. So I'm thinking, okay, so it's probably start, it probably sounds like a Z, um, you know, rather than like a Z kind of sound. Um, so I'm trying to think, like, Queen Z, Queen Z, I thought Zeno, because uh, I know the philosopher Zeno uh, is often rendered with one of and one or the other, mm. uh, and that led me to well, no, that's a one, that's a Greek philosopher, not a Palmyrene queen, uh, and two, that sounds like more of a male name. So I thought, okay, so what might a female Zena, Zeno, Zena, no, Zena, no, that wouldn't. That that would that would be too uh, like too notable for something else. Like there'd sure. be another clue in there. So I kind of reread the question to see whether there was a uh, <laughs> some kind of warrior type or princess type uh, clue in there, and there wasn't. So okay, so what was Zenobia? Zenobia is that a thing? Zenobia for some reason that popped out at me. Zenobia with a Z, Queen of Palmyra. Okay, yeah, that kind of sounds right. Zenobia Bailey. Sounds like it could be a thing. Like I don't feel like I've ever heard that name, but I might have heard it somewhere. So uh, I go with go with Zenobia, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one where you know, thinking of a woman's name that could interchangeably start with Z or X. There's really not much other than Zenobia that I can think of. I um, at least that's what sprang to mind right away for me. Um, you know, I don't really know anything about this particular artist um i think i probably vaguely heard of queen zenobia um but i wouldn't have been able to tell you where she's from or anything like that um this was surely just based on you know apparently the the brain circuits that know you know about queen zenobia and then women's names that can start with z or x like that um you know, I, it was basically half the question that, that it, I was relying upon. Um, I also put down Zenobia with an X. And that was correct. Yay. Don't know where I pulled that one from. <laughs> question two asks us for one of the two Republicans who was on the only presidential ticket between 1952 and 2004 that did not have a Bush, a Dole, or a Nixon. Yeah, so this one, um, besides just kind of re-realizing that mind-boggling thought um, really came down to pretty quickly just a couple of um, possibilities. Um, I did consider, you know, since we're talking 1952 through 2004, um, I was pretty sure that uh, Nixon had been on the Eisenhower tickets, the 52 and 56. Yep. Um, uh, 
1960 was Kennedy, Nixon. Mm -hmm. 64 would have been Lyndon Johnson versus someone. And then uh, 68 is when um, uh, Nixon won, mm -hmm. and as well as 72. Yep. And I thought, oh, 76 was Ford. So was there one of these three names on that ticket? That, you know, that was kind of like the first thing that, that jumped to mind for me was, okay, there's a Ford, so who is the VP candidate on there? Um, and then from then on, you know, it's it's the the continuity through 2004 is basically what I consider the gray zone between current events and American <laughs> history because I lived through it. Um, so, and, and all of that I could recount like Reagan Bush, Reagan Bush, you know, uh, Bush quail, um, you know, Dole was up against uh, uh, Clinton for, you know, after he won the first time, et cetera. So like I could, I could get myself up through, um, you know, Bush Jr. basically. Um, and so that left me with that 1964 election and Ford. And for a while I had Ford in the answer box there because I couldn't think of his VP. It didn't really seem like it was necessarily one of these three. It didn't ring a bell for me. Um, and so then I thought, oh, wait a minute. There was that election cycle where Goldwater was one of the candidates. You know, oh my gosh, who was his VP candidate? I have no idea. And so I went back and thought about Ford and thought, you know, Bush Dole, it definitely wasn't going to be Nixon because obviously he had resigned. Um, so could it have been a Bush or a Dole at that point? And I thought, yeah, that sounds more like the right era for one of those two to have attained enough prominence to be the VP candidate, because obviously Bush was in 1980. So um, I thought that, that plausibly he was possibly on the ticket as well. Dole, kind of same thing, like he'd been in politics for sufficiently long by then as well. And so I thought, okay, I think Goldwater is probably the likelier one there because those those two would have been in a different uh phase of their public service um back in you know 1956 so with trepidation and not with certainty i put down goldwater uh so i i feel like i knew this one or i'd heard this one previously within i'm pretty sure you read it to me at some point entirely possible um and and yeah i i remembered that in 1976 uh, Gerald Ford's running mate was Bob Dole. Okay. Uh, because Nelson Rockefeller just didn't want to do it anymore. Right. Basically took himself out of contention. Um, probably saw the writing on the wall as far mm. as whether he was actually going to be vice president again. Sure. Um, but I, too, went through 52, 56, 57, and in 64, I was like, yeah, okay, I'm pretty sure that was Johnson, Goldwater, I don't remember who was on the bottom of the Republican ticket. I don't think it was a Bush or Bob Dole or Richard Nixon you know, or, you know, some other Dole or Nixon that was unrelated. I feel I would, I feel I would remember sure. that. Mm -hmm. Went through them all. Said, yeah, kept coming back 64. Okay. So Goldwater, was it Goldwater Dole? No, that doesn't sound right. Goldwater Nixon. No, Goldwater Bush. No, pretty sure that's not right. Uh, so, yeah, I'll go with Goldwater. 
And that was one of the two correct answers. The other being William Miller, who, A, could you have a more generic name just in general? <laughs> um, but B, I would never have in a million years yeah, pulled out of a hat. I, I honestly, um, if, if, the, if that question had just been who was Goldwater's running mate, oh my gosh. I would have absolutely failed it. Like, Same. Just would not have been able to come up with anything. Yeah, no, that should have been like, whoever among you put down Miller for whatever <laughs> That's just, you're un- just unknown off. reason. That you're is... very much showing off, but also you deserve like extra points yeah, if, in this match day. Like you should just get an extra match point for for that yeah. answer alone. And I, I will also say that I had 1964 in the answer box for an embarrassingly long time. <laughs> because the last word question. in the question is year. Oh, Badly yeah. written. Yeah, that's a, like a thing I do with email compositions. Mm-hmm. I really try not to make a contrast where yeah. it's like, I don't want you to do this, right. or that's, I'm you know changing it to this, mm-hmm. and it's not this anymore. One of the, one of the people one of get the confused. Rules of technical writing is you uh, you don't give the bad example last, right? Because that's the one that people will remember. Yes. And the without the parenthetical, it's just as bad because the, the question is give the name of either of the Republicans on the national ticket in that exception year. Yeah. So you could very much make the case that that exception year is what's being asked for. So yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's, it's hard close. to it's hard to write that question, I'll admit, mm-hmm. without just straight up saying like the only time was nineteen sixty four who were the Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. When when you've got one of those very double-barreled okay you got to think about it you got to figure out which year then you got to remember who it was it's hard to mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to say don't give me this first part of the question for, yeah. first part of the answer so, so yeah it's a whole thing yep so uh moving on from there to question three we are asked what organ did a german anatomist paul Langerhans spend his career on the only reason i know this is because of the weird al song okay <laughs> Sings a song about the pancreas, and oh yes, uh, he does. One of the one he of the key parts does. of it is the Isle of Langerhans, mm-hmm. and that's why I know that. Islet, in fact, they're islets of Langerhans. Okay, um, and that's that was my exact thing. Like that, I always get. There's a couple other um, names of things in organs that are similar to that. There are some. Um, like in the the kidneys in particular, I think there's something that's um, I forget what the the exact thing is because I didn't have to think about it anymore after this morning. <laughs> um, but I, you know, pancreas was the thing that immediately came to mind because just like islets of Langerhans is a weird, you know, it's another one of those weird sticky sort of you know memorable things. Um, at least for me, just like wow, it's weird that that combination of words would ever come together for any reason (laughs) and so it becomes somewhat memorable because like yeah what's that weird thing in the pancreas so yeah it's the islets of longhounds of course i did second guess myself for a short time and thought is it that thing in the kidneys and there was some other question about that in a previous season i think um about some structure that turned out to be in the kidneys or the spleen or somewhere other than the pancreas that okay. that I had mixed up with the islets of Langerhans. Um, and so I was pretty sure, no, my, my first instinct on this one um, was actually the correct one. And so I put down pancreas as well. And that was correct. Yay. Qu- 
question four asks us what reality competition television series had characters including the bull, the banana split, the mallard, and the queen of hearts. Yes. Um, so this, the only thing that I thought was plausible for this one was the masked singer where people get it in these, you know, ridiculous costumes and you're supposed to, the judges are supposed to guess who's singing in them. And, um, yeah, that's, I couldn't imagine this was anything else. Um, so I, I put down the masked singer. It's yeah. just something that if you've ever seen an ad for it, you'll just be like, this is way beyond ridiculous mm -hmm. that it even exists. Yeah. Um, uh, not, not even because of the idea of the competition, but just like the crazy elaborate costumes mm -hmm. and kind of the pageantry of it, basically. Mm -hmm. um, I've never seen an episode, but I've just seen enough ads here and there that it's it stuck with me yeah. that it's the masked singer yeah yeah if you ever watch anything on fox you know about the existence yeah. of the masked singer yeah and yeah same here uh i didn't know any of these but i knew that that particular series features you know uh, costumed celebrities mm -hmm. who go by the name of their costume um so as not to reveal who they are yeah and yeah that was you know you you could have put basically any half dozen proper nouns mm -hmm. or capitalized common nouns rather oh, sure. uh, in, in that question. And I would have been like, well, I guess it must be the masked singer. Yeah. You know, is, is it, you know, the, uh, were they the pancreas and the gold waters and the, <laughs> the fiber artists? Sure. So that's what I said as well. And that was the correct answer. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Question five asks us for a term for, the decade or so following the American Civil War that was coined by Mark Twain. And satirize the materialism and such. So my first thought was the era of good feelings. Oh. Then I thought, no, I think that was a little later. Okay. And I think that was a response to this other thing and wasn't satirical. Uh, and I thought, okay, so the satirical one in, that, in roughly that time span, but I would have thought that it was later, was the Gilded Age, mm -hmm. which I believe there's an HBO series about. Yes, that, just that we keep out. meaning to to watch because it has people we like in it, but we never managed it. Well, it only just came out, I think. Yeah, it's a, it's a few weeks old, but yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I thought, and I thought, okay, Gilded Age, that sounds right. I, I believe that Twain did uh, write about that, and that was what it was about. So yeah, that all makes sense. That's all sort of fitting into the correct spaces of my brain without my actually remembering it. So I, I went with the Gilded Age. Yeah, I had much the same train of thought um, that was only uh, derailed for a little while by um, just a kind of a general sense that the Gilded Age was just a little bit later in mm -hmm. history. Yeah. Um, I felt like it kind of, you know, it he, if Twain was satirizing the decade following the Civil War, um, then... He coined this term, and I feel like it got applied to the subsequent decades. Okay. Um, and I that may be just my misunderstanding of it. It may be my kind of conflating it with um, the um, something like the Age of Innocence, for example, which is sure. set later in early 20th century, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and, and I certainly didn't know that Mark Twain had coined this. Um, but I knew there was this expression about the Gilded Age, and it certainly seemed to fit the description of 
the materialism and loosened business and political morals. So it's not the golden age. It's just a surface veneer of gold. So it's the gilded age. <laughs> um, and I, I thought that that sounded like a good, you know, kind of logic behind um, why it was called that and why he would uh, create that phrase to describe it. Um, and it sounded like something that could be, um, you know, I don't know if the whole title of the novel is just the Gilded Age or if there's more to it, um, but it, it sounded sort of familiar as a title of a Mark Twain book. So, um, you know, just kind of letting that gel, I, I figured I'd go with the Gilded Age. And that was correct. Indeed. Question six asks us, what city's skyline is dominated by the 2,000-foot-tall structure known as Skytree? Yeah, um, I didn't know this one at all. Um, it notes that it's the second tallest after the Burj Khalifa. And I just kind of figured this is a city, you know, that I wouldn't know what the skyline looks like and that wouldn't already be built up in a distinctive way, I guess. Um, and so I, you know, I had no real basis to guess this one. Like it's, um, an English phrase, but I thought, eh, you know, I figured, I figured it's probably somewhere more like in Asia. Like that's where I picture a lot of, you know, large construction projects like this kind of appearing and popping up. Um, and so for whatever reason, Jakarta came to mind. I thought, sure, I don't really have a much better reason to go with, you know, some other city or even to think this through much further, because I don't feel like I'm just going to guess it, um, you know, just picking out out of out of nowhere um, based on the question. So I put down Jakarta. See, I, I went full Sherlock Holmes detective follow all the breadcrumbs <laughs> left behind and the lack thereof on this one because I didn't uh, know either. So I, I figured, okay, it, it's got to be an English-speaking city mm -hmm. or a city in an English-speaking country because it's called Skytree. Mm. And in the same question, you know, well, Thorsten doesn't say known in English as Skytree. True. And in the same question he gives the Burj Khalifa and does not translate that right so clearly you know this is and I figure okay if if this were in America I would have heard of it I feel like even if it were in Canada I would have heard of it because of because uh, it would have yeah uh, displaced the CN Tower as the largest tallest thing in North America sure uh, certainly not in Britain mm-hmm um, so that pretty much leaves Australia. And I thought, yeah, this is the kind of thing that would happen in Australia. Absolutely. And it's the kind of thing that would happen in Australia. And I wouldn't have heard about it. Mm -hmm. But where in Australia would it be? And I thought, well, Sydney is kind of the place that has the famed architecture, or at least famed yeah, from this side sure. of the world. Yeah. So why wouldn't it also have the 2,000 foot tall sky tree? Mm -hmm. So I'll go with Sydney. Yeah, the answer to that question is because it's in Tokyo. Yeah. Um, see, now, when you think about the English-speaking world, um, it occurs to me this question makes us expand our horizons in a couple of ways, so to speak, it being about <laughs> a skyline. Um, first off, there are African countries and, of course, India that have English as official languages of them. Official, yes, but I would not so, say that they are... 
I, I would not call them English speaking because it is not the predominant language. It's the one most Indians have in common. Yes. Well, so, is it? Yeah. Is, is it Indian or not, not Hindi? Anyway. Anyway, the, you know, there's right. one of the official languages. So the other thing that you looked up, as you mm-hmm. mentioned, after, um, you know, reading up on this, is that it is actually transliterated into Japanese as Skytree, effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Which is a thing that Japanese culture does pretty regularly. Yeah. There's, a, you know, Christmas is Kurusumasu. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, that... It's one of those things to keep in mind, I guess, in the back of your mm-hmm. head when a question like this might suggest something Japanese kind of in a roundabout I mean, way. I, I feel like it, it's not suggested, suggested but, the, yeah, but it's suggested you know, something that was very <clears throat> that is being very transliterated. Yes. It is being very closely and precisely, you know, and very, uh, very deliberately. Mm-hmm. called something that sounds as much like sky tree sounds in the local language yes yes but then that tells me it could be anywhere because you could do that with any other language i guess but my point is that hmm. japan is like i don't know as much about other countries that do or have done that i've hmm. but i've noticed it in japanese oh, sure. uh you know, cultural output, I mm-hmm. guess, on a more more frequent basis than other places that I know of. This is all going very... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have any empirical data. This is just my right. anecdotal observation of it. So mm-hmm. um, so that left me with five on the day. Ditto. The same five. Yep. Um, so. I, I think... I think that Skytree one's going to skew hard. Uh, quite possibly. So, and um, considering you could you could take it as an art question, which means you definitely need to give me three points on it. But see, what's interesting is I gave it uh, one point to both of my opponents, really? both of whom have very high geography scores. Reasonable. And it's the kind of thing that I feel like if you are a geography or kind of like a landmarks nerd mm-hmm. that keeps track of this sort of thing, then yeah. I mean, it might just have that pretty much more top of mind than I sure would. Because mm-hmm. um, that's that's one of those things that, like, other than having heard of the Burj Khalifa, like, I just can't bring myself to care about, like, what's the tallest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's a very sort of in a way, boring form of trivia. And, you know, I looked at the picture that you mm-hmm. saw on the, the article about um, the sky tree, and it just looks weird. It's frankly disappointing. Yes. Because when I, when I heard sky tree, I thought, oh, okay, this is going to be an interesting architectural thing I'll be able to learn about. Nope. And then when I saw that in Tokyo, I was like, oh, yes. It is definitely <laughs> going to be awesome. Because, you know, frankly, I don't, I have no idea what the Tokyo skyline looks like other than it's like, you know, basically an anime come to life. Or it's been destroyed by Godzilla so many times. Yeah, but like every picture you see of it is, you know, neon and just skyscraper after skyscraper and just this fantastic glass and chrome and and dense and just colorful despite that and just amazing and usually raining for some reason. Um, (laughs) But... Yeah, and then I saw a picture. the The picture on like the Wikipedia article is 
just a boring ass tower out in the middle of nothing. Yep. Yeah, it looks it doesn't, you know, blend in or enhance anything. Yeah. It's just there to be tall. Yeah, it's not a tree. And that's it's not interesting. Yeah. It is disappointing. And and it becomes like a sort of I don't know. It's just not that interesting to know about, weirdly enough, is here are the exactly. top 10 yeah. whatever structures yeah. like okay yeah cn towers like that too mm-hmm. like back when it was either the largest either the tallest freestanding structure or whatever particular version it was back in the day it was yeah. always like oh yeah the cn tower and i'd look it up and every time it would just be like yeah it's just a thing yep yeah. yep well on that downer of a note um <laughs> that's it for today you can tune in tomorrow for more dour analysis of their post-game status. Follow us on Twitter at LRNDLG. It's Learned League Without the Vowels. And remember, don't forfeit. Don't cheat.